0: Now also available on Hubble. Have I got a treat for you? Father's Day next Sunday around the corner and our friends at Budgie Smuggler have got us sorted. Budgie Smuggler, we love you. 10% off your order when you use the code and Friends to get your dad some Budgie Smugglers. Or if he's not there yet, if he's a bit of a shy guy, you can also get him some nice woolen merino socks, Australian made. We absolutely love it. Head to BudgieSmuggler.com.au, use the code DILLANDFRIENDS for 10% off Do it now. and Your dad will love you and be proud of you. Hello, fam. Welcome back to this week's episode of Dylan Friends. This week on the show, former St. Kilda great, captain of the club, absolute legend, all-around good guy, Nick Rewalt It was incredible to get this guy in the studio. My God, he's a big, big man. He's a big man. He's a big boy. Um, And, yeah, it was pretty, it was an honor to have him in the studio, obviously, a little bit starstruck, having a chat with him, growing up, watching, uh, you know, really go about it. And I can call him that now because we're friends was, it was incredible. He was uh, like a, you know, such a fearless, stoic character and to sit down with him, have a chat about his career today was, was awesome. Such a cool dude. Um, you know, we obviously spoke about his career growing up in Tassie, moving to Queensland, going to the Saints, some as unbelievable stories about his Saints time and even some really good times and then some hard times as well with some, um, you know, some finals and grand finals not going his way. He spoke about um, his cousin, Jack Rewalt and, and the effects that that had on him as well. Um, and yeah, he was just super honest about his story and we we're really lucky enough to you know, get a, an incredible conversation around his sister Maddie who unfortunately passed away and, and the game now in her name and the organisation that he runs um, called Maddie's Vision which has been yeah absolutely incredible and raising an incredible amount of money for good things. So he's doing such a good job, loved having this chat with him and um, yeah, it was just really funny, really surprised, didn't realise how funny he was, um, how much he loves his cooking, how much he loves his Survivor. and how much he loves Tasmania, there's definitely... Time for another chat because um, even after the show, we hung around and we're just absolutely talking rubbish, which I love this guy. So thanks so much. Hope you enjoy it. Let's go. Also, at the end of the episodes too, we've brought in a little deal brief. Now, you don't have to listen to this. You're probably absolutely sick of hearing me talk anyway by the end of this hour and a half um, is up. But at the end, Sam and Dars and I jump in, just do a little bit of a, a debrief of the episode. As soon as it finishes, we just talk about what we love from it. Um, and we've, yeah, we've been adding them in. So yeah, make sure you like them. Um, we'll make sure you listen to them first. And if you like them, let us know and we'll keep doing, doing them. So Iliac love you all. Love you all. Love you all. See you, bye.
1: Hi fam. It's Dylan's mum, Deborah. This is Dylan Friends. I was like, you can to embarrass yourself? And I was like, bro, do you want me to do all seven verses. Beat arrogant, didn't know all yes. seven. <laughs> I've been in a bad team for 10 years, and we got a chance to do something pretty special this year. All you can do is put your hand up and say you're wrong. Banter is a way that guys connect, a way that we can kind of play it safe with someone
0: until we get to know them.
2: I try to fix people sometimes. I'm like, Dan, stop doing that, just listen. And you stack on top of that
1: the habit of not taking your phone when you take your dog. It's easy.
0: They had no other way to get out of the cave, and
2: we either turn our backs on them, in which case they're gonna die. Or we give this crazy idea a go. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Yeah. We're on. We're on. We're, yeah, you love Survivor. Yeah, I do. I love, <laughs> That's I love so Survivor. So weird. It's just a good game. <laughs> yeah. Um, How would you go? Well, I was meant to. I was kind of meant to do it a couple of years ago. Uh, no, last year. And, and why the, not? Why didn't you do it? Well, that? because the production date was brought forward oh. to. Uh, Like late, late final series. So I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. And it didn't marry up. The timing didn't marry up. Actually, it was two years ago. And so then the uh, production company that do um, Survivor, Endemol Shine, also do MasterChef.
1: And so they
2: said, hey, you can't do Survivor. Would you think about doing MasterChef? And I thought, oh, MasterChef. My mum loved
0: you on MasterChef.
2: No. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> my mum like loved it's you on MasterChef. It's opened up a whole new <laughs> yeah. demographic of sort of conversations and network mums. and yeah. mums. Man, yeah. do you know what's
0: really funny? Like my mum, <laughs> and I don't know if anyone else's mum's like this out there, but like I go, you know, sometimes when you're trying to fix your mum's phone, she goes, oh, my Instagram's not working. I look on it and I look through who she's following and it's like people from reality shows like seven years ago. Yeah. Like there yeah. was this really weird person that she was following the other day. If you're a Big Brother fan, this was like Big Brother from like seven years ago. There was like this uh, Lawson and Kat that were going together and there was like this scandal and <laughs> mum still follows it. Still like, follow. and I'm keeps like, up to date. Keeps up to date. I'm <laughs> That's like, mum, great. you don't need to follow her anymore. <laughs> like it's not a They're, thing. They've lost relevance.
2: <laughs> yeah. So round one this year, pre-season, uh, went to a function at the MCG and usually you go along to a – like pre-football season function and mm. you're walking in and it's, oh, how uh, can the Ds go back to back this year? And anyway, all the women coming up were, it wasn't how's Christian Petrarca going to go, it's what was in that tomato consomme that <laughs> we made on MasterChef. <laughs> it was like, this is great, this <laughs> is, is, is so really good. good. So, you know, because it's it's fresh and something yeah. new, like I was, like com- totally happy to talk about Man. all of that stuff rather than the, the same old footy stuff. But- Just a funny
0: one on that as well. Christian Patrak at the moment. I don't know if you've seen uh, you're big on TikTok, but he's creating some very nice menus on TikTok. I think is he's he? copying your master chef vibes and starting yeah, to put okay. some menus
2: together. Stay in your lane Christian. Yeah, stay in, stay your, in lane. your lane Christian. Um, so meant to do Survivor, yes. ended up doing Masterchef instead and um, yeah, but it, Survivor's still something that I would love to do. Wow. I uh, the reason we brought it up is I saw you got uh the um, Mark, Mark Wales' book. Yep. And, and um, Sam Cash, his partner. the defending survivor champ, Mark. Yeah, yeah the legend. <laughs> uh, and then his wife, Sam, was on it too. And they were like, they were absolute <laughs> savages. Um, and I went to a, uh, it was a a lunch for Danny Frawley, the launch of the, the Danny Frawley Centre. Yep. So Spud's Lunch, it was called. It was about a couple of months ago. And I walked in and, and sat on the table and there were, you know, Andrew Bassett, St Kilda President. And I'm going around the table and I am I like look to my right and there's Mark and Sam. So I had just a total sort of fanboy moment and I actually took selfies and James, my oldest boy, he's seven. That's like, that's our thing. Yeah. We sit on the couch when Survivor's on, we watch Survivor, sometimes have to record it and then watch it a bit earlier because it finishes late. But took the photo, sent it through to James and he completely freaked out that I was with Mark and Sam <laughs> from so Survivor. He, he loved it. <laughs> good, zone. Um. So, you know, Max King, Jade Gresham, nah. <laughs> He's all about Survivor people and so, he, he was pumped. They were great. Like, they were awesome. Amazing, like amazing, amazing. stories, both of them. And I've a, listened to both oh. of them on the podcast and they were, they, they've just got, like, great stories. Yeah. The great energy stories. on them. Like,
0: I remember Sam yeah. and Mark, they both came in. But when Sam came in, we ended up speaking for, like, another hour post the show. Yeah. And it was just like... One of the most incredible women I've ever Ultra met. Ultra marathons, right? Everything. But that, that's not yeah. even – even But it's the like it's an insight
2: into – Yeah. And the way she can articulate things and, and yeah.
0: everything. It was great. Yeah, just great. on Survivor, lastly, how would you play the game if you were on it? What would you do? Give uh, And if you're going to go on okay, it, you can't so give away too when, much. Okay,
2: when, so um, when the last season was on and Gavin Wanganeen was, was in early mm-hmm. – like I was watching, and I know Gavin well. We went to Shanghai together for the Port Adelaide St Kilda. That's something we won't be doing again. Yeah, Gavin <laughs> no, Shanghai for a game of footy. I don't think that that's won, on the man. list. That's on the. I reckon that's been crossed off. <laughs> he went in and he buddied up with the Alpha Dogs straight away, and I just thought, "Oh, Gavin, come on! You can't put a target on your back." So I think that's it's kind of the way you would have to play mm-hmm. it. Is you know, if you have sort of been an athlete or whatever, just try as much as possible to to be a good guy and not a like a physical threat. And that's I reckon how Mark Mark played it. So yeah. I, I don't know. You, you'd
0: fall into that position quickly because I remember Sean Hampson yeah. when he went on too, he played it pretty well. Yeah. He played it quite yeah, well. Yeah, he played it well.
2: Um Lee Castledines played it pretty well. But went, listen to me. Yeah. You sound like a full survivor nerd, it's, but I do I, like it.
0: I'd struggle just with the You'd and be I, good. You'd nah, have good social game. Nah, but Come I, on. I think I hate it too much. If someone like dogged me, I'd be really yeah. flat and I'd take it personally. Yeah. I, and I'd, I'd get really 100%. Upset. I'd get really taking emotional. Taking the emotion out of it <laughs> I, would be impossible for me. I have me. zero emotional like <laughs> filter. I'd filter. Yeah. I just, I, I start crying. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same. Yeah. Hey, mate, um, incredible to have you in today. I really do appreciate it. It's, uh, it's going to be, uh, yeah, really cool, really surreal. I think for me, and not to, not to embarrass you too much, but like it feels a bit like a dream because I grew up, and I didn't love footy growing up. Like, I did. I really enjoyed it. But you, for me, were just, like, everything. Like, being, have you, I'm sure you get that a lot. But it's just a, a massive flex for me to be able to, like, sit in here today, have you on the show. And even when I remember playing footy, I played it, I think we played against each other in an early game. And it was the first time I was like, Jesus Christ, this big boy. Yeah. You were a nice guy to me as well, which is good. Well, I. Like, yeah, you were nice. Good. You said something nice. I think you said... Uh, I can't remember, but it was something nice. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I'll put that in the back pocket. Because the reason I was scared, actually, and this is a funny story, was we had a young guy from um, St. Kilda that got delisted from St. Kilda and came to Carlton for one year.
2: Yeah.
0: Nick Hine, I think his name was.
2: Oh, yeah. Nick Hine. So Nic- he's a rookie for Nicholas both. Hine, yeah, Nicholas Hine. Nicholas yeah. Hine. Number 20. He Number
0: 21, yeah, I think. Yeah, 21. Yeah. Well, maybe it was 20, 21 with yeah. us. And he told a story one day. I think you had to get up and tell like, your most embarrassing story of like whatever happened to you. Oh,
2: what did I do? No,
0: it, it was his <laughs> fault. But he said on his first day of like training, he was just out there, just a young kid doing stuff, and he was just bombing balls from like 70 metres out, no warm-up, anything. Yeah. And he's bombed this torp and it's come off the side of his foot and you've walked out of training just to like, you know, start having your kick, you'd go out there and probably have a hundred set shots and it's just pegged you straight in the head. And <laughs> he just I can't remember what happened. If you sprayed him or not. I but probably
2: I, did. Yeah. I probably did. You know, back to survivor, like if you get dogged or something like that happens. I've got no filter. <laughs> yeah. So if something like that happened, I'm sure I turned around and said, You serious yeah. man? Like, yeah. So gosh, I I cringe when I think about the way I like the way I was at times in footy. I was so wound up. Serious? Yeah, so serious. Like and that's what that's why post playing, I don't really I don't really miss a lot about playing the game. Like I I love sorry, I loved playing the game, mm. but a lot of the peripheral stuff and the pressure and the expectation, it just had me in knots. So, you know, the person that I was when I was playing, I don't like, I don't miss those sort of moments where, you know, a ball hits you in the face, big deal. But I know how I would have reacted and yeah. it wouldn't have been bad. And clearly, you know, Nick held onto it and um, and told the story. I think it's his pub story. Still. Oh, it's man, this day. that's embarrassing.
0: No, yeah. no, it was it was all good. But yeah. it's funny you say that, though. Like, I remember, um, and, and it's really interesting today because I think the perception sort of maybe I have a view and what people would have a view is just this, you know, stoic leader and, um, Work rate, you know, running up and down the ground, up and down, like self-belief, all these types of things. It does sound, now that you've said it, like that must have been as good of a time and awesome it is yeah. to be such a good player. It seems like it would be stressful as fuck as well.
2: Yeah, it was. So we're dropping it. We can drop her for so Oh, I, yeah. I always. held back no, before. No, we do. I no, held we, back yeah. before. Perfect. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's fucking great. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was like a bit of an oxymoron. I think footy footy for most guys at times mm. would be an oxymoron in that it's it's – the best it's the best existence because you you get paid really well to train to be fit to be in a a team environment like it's impossible to recreate that feeling anywhere else um or in any other workplace outside of the sporting um sporting arena i guess but melbourne the bubble the expectation the pressure and that's not everyone like I've, i've i had teammates like lee montagna who they were they were cruisy you know right the way through they still were Pros and prepared and disciplined, but they didn't. They didn't carry it with them twenty-four hours a day like I felt I did, and maybe that was the leadership side of it. But um, I thrived on it. But at the same time, it was something to endure on a day-to-day basis. That 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 pressure and expectation. I think ultimately it boiled down to every time I I took the field, I knew it was. I had two hours to either enhance your reputation. Or diminish it, and I really, I really believed that if I didn't play well, that I could do serious damage to to the to the way people thought about me, and that's the way I approached most games. And I tried to, I tried to not think like that, but I couldn't help it, and that's what that's what I think wound me so up on on wound me up so tight on the way through.
0: So do you think it was like internally you thought like that, or were you actually looking at external review? Were you like one to read the paper 100%, reviews? Yeah,
2: hundred. Well. Try to avoid it when you don't play well. And when I did play well, I would like seek it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's just the honest answer. But as much as you would try to avoid it, it's like, you know, driving past an accident on the freeway, right? You know, you should be concentrating and not looking at it, but you just can't help but turn your head. Mm. Um, and so I was, I was a little bit like that with, you know, with the negative stuff. It would just find a way to get to you, um, and I think definitely got better later in my career, and um, you know I am fortunate that I had a, a long, good career. Clearly, you know, success is um, is objective and um, you know, subjective. Sorry, but yeah, like it was, it was, um, it, it was a journey. Like it was, it was something the the criticism side of things that I definitely got better better at dealing with the longer I got through my. Got through my career.
0: What were you like as a kid then, walking into the Saints? First, uh, obviously grew up in Tassie, moved to Queensland. At what age was that?
2: I moved to Queensland when I was 10. Really? What was that for? Just family? Family. Just family relocation. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a big move. You know, But kids are resilient and I was resilient. So it's a complete change of lifestyle. We, We still had a lot of links to Tassie. All of our family were down there, but moved up there. And the Gold Coast was great. For a, you know, in terms of a place mm. to grow up, to go to high school, lifestyle, sport, all of those things, it was it was a really fun place to grow up. Whereabouts? Uh, so I played all my footy at Broadbeach. Broad Beach, but by the by the time I moved down to Melbourne, Mum and Dad were, were in um, Palm Beach and then Mermaid Beach. So even even when I was down here, being able to go back there and having somewhere to go to was was great.
0: And you were a cricketer as well.
2: Yeah. Did you play a bit of cricket? I love my cricket. You love your cricket? I
0: love my cricket. This is something that we did grab out of the book or somewhere you said before about playing cricket. Your number one pick, yeah, gun cricketer, but never got referred to like uh, Brett DeLiddy on Mark Murphy.
2: Piss me off. It must- Piss me off so <laughs> Do you think much. you'd be better than them at cricket? Uh, I don't know about better than. But, but you're up there with them. Well, I was a late footy bloomer. So, you know, like... The first best and fairest I ever won was at St Kilda. Yeah, right. So I never won a junior best and fairest. You know, under 15s, I didn't make the uh, like the Gold Coast team. Um, I was a late replacement, bottom age, under 18s into the into the state team. Robbie Copeland from Brisbane hurt himself the week before the carnival and I was a late call-up. So I was a really late bloomer. But cricket, you know, cricket I, I made state representatives teams from sort of under 13s onwards. So I always thought that was going to be the path. And then I grew um, things clicked and and it became became pretty clear that footy was going to be the path because at that stage there's no you know there's no T tw- um, Twenty there's yeah. no um, big bash there's no IPL there's like if you're not in the best twelve in the country as a cricket there's nothing a, else there's nothing else you know like there's there's state level cricket but in terms of a career back then it wasn't what it is now so. <clears throat> And not that I was at that level, anyway. Um, you know, I was, I was, I was a rung below, but I was a better cricketer than I was a footballer up until probably sixteen. What were we talking, batting, bowling, we all rounder, bit of both, still. Bit of ba- <laughs> Talk us,
1: talk us through oh, something. Not super, about, not, yeah. su- not super
2: quick, but yeah. I could, I could swing it, um, and so it was was pretty accurate and could swing it as like a first change bowler and batted sort of six, five, five or six. There you go. So we've got um, it on
0: record today out there. Anyone yeah. who talks about cricket and football is we need to start putting you in the, the conversation. The, you know.
2: People say you're only as good as your last game, and so <laughs> the la- over the last four or five years since I retired from cricket, I've I've played probably you know eight eight or nine ten games and played really well, and then this year, um, Tommy Morris got me to, to go, go down to um, he went to Melbourne oh, old Melbourneians and yeah. play a game, and so I went out and I was I was really excited, and I I you know, went out a net session the day before <laughs> like I prepared. <laughs> Like I prepared and I went out, I went out to bat and everyone had made runs and it was like last over before drinks and I got, I got stumped on a leg side wide and made, I made two. So you look at the scorecard and it's like everyone's made at least 30 plus and then I've got a big fat two as my score. Stumped on a leg side wide. Get, I didn't even know you could get out on a wide. You can. You can get stumped on a wide. That's, oh, well, if you're that, out of your. I was crease. out of my crease. Like, and we're, we're, we're talking amateur cricket, and I've been <laughs> stumped by this keeper. I can let twenty buys go during yeah. the game, and he stumped me on a leg side wide. And I could like, I could just feel the rage oh. surge with <laughs> surging within inside me. I was so, I was pissed off. Oh. I was embarrassed. I would just. I wanted to get in my car and drive home. But we batted first, so I had to go out and bowl. Oh, no. And so I went out and bowled, and it was blowing an absolute gale. I couldn't control the ball. I couldn't control the swing, and I think I got smashed for, like, 30 off three overs. Didn't take a wicket. Okay. So, Redemption. For anyone, well, I mean, maybe next year, yeah. but I'm pretty scarred from the experience, <laughs> to be honest, especially when you come onto a podcast and you talk up your cricket game. I know there's these guys from the team that we played that day that are sitting there going, this guy's full of shit. That's so We good. played against him and he's a mug. He's hopeless. <laughs> so that's great. But I do love it. I do love my. Cricket. Are you a golfer? Uh, I I had a moment, like, yeah, I had a moment when I finished playing where I, I joined Peninsula Kingswood. Um, so. One of my best mates, Brendan Goddard, a gun. Yes, um, so good play,
0: player. Good player, and yeah, good player. He uh, he's as angry on the golf course as he is. Oh, in, yeah. in real life. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. That's just. I love BJ. Like I yeah. love it. I love one of the, my favorite players to watch. Yeah, but he's scary.
2: He's intense. He's intense. He's intense. Yeah. Jack um,
0: Nunes, who another one of our mutual yeah, friends. Yeah. Just have to make sure this is allowed to go on. But I think um, Jack Nunes is a very good golfer.
2: I think he plays off about three now. So yeah. He, he, plays playing, he plays a lot of he plays golf. plays a lot of golf. plays a lot of golf. He's, um, so him- A lot of golf. Yeah, you know, he's obviously engaged to the beautiful Jordan. Yes. Um, and so- it's, Tomo's got the beautiful setup down there on the national. It's it's pretty it's pretty nice for Jack. It's, it's one a,
0: of the best setups I've ever have you seen. Been to the,
2: I've you been pad? to the I've
0: been I've been to the pad. I've been allowed into the house yet. So uh, that's Grant Thomas's yeah. daughter Jordan, who Jack yeah. Nunes is is engaged to. Yeah. But they have a beautiful house down there. It was quite interesting. I went down to the national with Jack yeah, recently. Grant Thomas. There's about 14 CEOs and I think Sam Newman was even there as well and they just have this lunch together every so day. So the Tussics, they and, yeah. play on a
2: Thursday. Is that what it is? is so it? that's their – I hope I'm not speaking out of school. Yeah, we'll, we'll get Sorry. confirmation yeah, on yeah, this. But yeah. okay. but, um, so I was playing uh, on these Thursdays. Are you were invited? I was, in, I was in the Tussics. <laughs> oh, so on? I was a part of this group, right? So it's an amazing segue. <laughs> and so they have the group chat and all of that sort yeah. of stuff and it's just constant. And so I, was on, I probably got about – you know, six months through my first year out of footy and I'm playing golf on Thursdays. And it's a big day. Like, it's you leave Melbourne. It's, it's a day. You, it's a day. You drive to the National. Which you, is,
0: you know, the National for
2: everyone who doesn't know. an nights. hour and a yeah. half down the coast. Yep. You, you play golf, you know, four or five hours. Yep. Then you're in for lunch and then you drive back. So you're back, you know, it's a, it's a full day. Yeah. And I just had this moment about six months in where I thought, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> you know, like, these likes are all 50-plus – They've made it. They've secured their futures. Yeah. And you're driving down on a Thursday when you should be working. Yeah. Like, go and work rather than going down and playing golf and there's a bit of gambling on the course <laughs> and quite often you walk off the course pretty light in the pocket. Who do you think you are? Like, go and actually do the work now. So you can do it later. So when you're 50, you can go and do what these blokes do Yeah, because it looks awesome and it is awesome. So I, I love golf, but I don't get to play anywhere near as much as I would like because – I've just sort of made the you yeah know, the decision to just knuckle down a little bit. It's
0: a bit. smart decision. It is because I think it, it's one of those ones you can get very caught up with, and yeah. especially being you know members at a lot of those illustrious. What's your courses. what are you off? I'm off. Um, what?
1: <laughs> yeah. No. I'm,
0: <laughs> I'm in it. I'm going through a reshape in my game <laughs> no, at the that's moment. That's all right. You got to go so backwards to go forwards. It's forward one of those ones where you know you could say goal kicking routine. You're yeah. sort of changing it up, so you're going to make some mistakes to then get better yeah. in the end. So I'm I'm off 22 at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Um, my best. But time, you're into it. I'm into it. Originally. Yeah. yeah very, very into it. I'm just a member at a local club in, in nice. Melbourne. But, um, the best thing is when you've got mates, you know, that are playing yeah. footy and they don't know what the real world's like. Yeah. They sort of have these great memberships yeah. out at other courses that I sort of just jump onto every now yeah, and again. Yeah. Perfect. But, um, we'll, we'll, get out for a hit. It's like a boat, the best boat to someone else. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Don't waste your money on that. So you rock up to the saints. Yep. We've got a side there. You rock up to the saints, young boy, 18, number one pick. Yep. Um, what was that like? What was it like at the time getting there? Who was around?
2: Yeah, at the time getting there was just so exciting yeah. because the Saints had like clearly bottomed out. That we so we had the first two picks, which was unique. So I was a priority pick, and then Justin was because he was was the, was the yep. first pick, um, and uh, it it was really exciting. Malcolm Blight had been signed on as a new coach. Fraser Garrick had been recruited. Aaron Hamill had been recruited. Stevie Lawrence, Brett Voss, Matthew Capiano, all of these, you know, established players from other clubs. So there was a real wave of enthusiasm and excitement. Um, and yeah, I, I was I was caught up in that absolutely. And you walk you you know you walk into Morabin, first day, and there's the mythical you know legend Malcolm Blight up the front, and he's just he's just holding court, talking about all his philosophies in football and. It was interesting because Blighty, as recently as three years before that, had coached Adelaide in the 97 grand final against so many of these guys sitting in the room. And I wasn't really aware of any sort of tension, but, mm. you know, it would have been an interesting dynamic for him walking in and for guys like Robert Harvey, Stewie Lowe, Nathan Burke, sitting there having been beaten by Malcolm a few years earlier in the grand final. And he didn't he didn't waste the opportunity to, like, rub their nose in it a little bit. Wow. Because he spoke about one of his philosophies in footy was that everyone's going to learn to play a different position, you know, because you guys would remember uh, Shane Allen. You know, remember Shane Allen? He he was a backman, went forward, kicked five in the 97 grand final, and you just sit there going, oh, really? Okay. That's like, okay, it's a good flex. I'm sure it's the best way to win over the new group. Um, And then little things like, you know, another philosophy of mine is if you want to kick a torp in a game – Express yourself. You can kick a torp. Go back. If you hit the first one and it spins properly, well, then you can keep keep kicking torps. But whatever you do, don't go back from 80 metres and try and kick a torp for goal. Because no one in the history of the game has ever actually, (laughs) there was this one guy. (laughs) That's good. So, like, as an introduction, (laughs) I was sitting there just looking at this man thinking, this is going to be so much fun. So much fun. I can't wait to learn from him. And... It didn't, it just didn't pan out that way. It just didn't pan out that (laughs) way. You'll
0: probably see how that didn't work. Yeah. So
2: my, my first game, um, was round 15. I hurt my knee in the preseason of my first year. And my first game was, was round 15, Colonial Stadium, Friday night against Adelaide. We got beaten by 97 points and Malcolm got, um, he got sacked on the Tuesday.
0: So that was only, uh, only one year. 15 rounds.
2: 15 rounds. Yeah. My first game was, my first game for St. Kilda was Blighty's last. So, yeah, I didn't really didn't really get exposed to uh, you know, to to any of his any of his lessons really. I mean, we we maintained a a um a relationship for a period, but you know, you know what footy club's are like, yeah. you you move on and um but there, yeah, then then really it, it kick started an era where I look back on the time that the Grant Thomas arrived at the football club through probably the next sort of seven or eight years, is the most fun I, I had in footy. Footy was just fun back then and and, and Tomo made it fun. Well, what's he
0: like? As a, what was he like as a coach? Because I feel like now a lot of St Kilda's history sort of talks about that Ross Lyon period. Yeah. But Grant Thomas, yeah. as you've said, and internally people would know how respected he was yeah. at the Saints and even how much he still loves the Saints now. Yeah. Um, I follow him on Twitter. It's a, oh, it's, he's a good it's Twitter great. watch. It's, I'm not it, on
2: Twitter, but the amount of feedback yeah. that I get about Tomo's Twitter – the thing that I like—he just calls it how it is. Yeah, it's and great. and he follows zero people. Yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, that's it's just a flex. That's, yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's so good. Um, yeah, like he he so he did a lot of the groundwork in terms of establishing a culture and, um, you know, building a mental toughness and resilience within the group. Mm-hmm. That then Ross Line came came in and and um, complemented really really well. So a lot of the success that we had. Like we we had we we got pretty close under Tomo prelims in, in two thousand and four and five. We were leading leading those at three quarter time and um, we were a really good team. And then, you know, Ross Ross obviously did what he did with us and, and was terrific. So Tomo just Tomo prioritized team culture, um, mental toughness and selflessness at the expense of everything else. So I I, I paid a lot of attention to north melbourne this year and and the conversations that were had around david noble and being hard on the group and then and then you know almost being forced to apologize because the group couldn't handle it and i, I just found that whole chapter really interesting because you know and and, and i looked at i looked at jason horn francis a lot this year as a as a number 1 draft pick into a struggling club and he looked like a guy that wasn't enjoying it. To a certain degree, you can you can understand that because football we in footy we deal in absolutes, and you either win or you don't. And we are so so reactive on the on the basis of results. But you know when when Tomo first came to the club, we we didn't win. We just didn't win many games of footy, but it was fun. It was so much fun and Tomo made it fun. And at the same time, we were, we were learning, a, we were learning a, a level of resilience. We were having super hard conversations, confrontational conversations. And, um, I, you know, th- those formative years, I, I look back on now and um, I've got no doubt the lessons that I learned throughout that period set me up for, you know, for the next 15, 15 years of my career.
0: That's a really interesting point. I, I, it's such a, a valid point in, in the AFL. And this has probably been my biggest not bugbear, but I think I've been part of clubs that haven't been successful. And the one thing to this day, and I don't even know if this is an AFL thing or just an Australia thing, why, but we're so reactive. Yeah. Like we just make reactive decisions. And clubs, especially, like that. And I think North Melbourne and Carlton, even previously, have yeah. been a little bit like that. You just sort of, they, they jump to the first thing. They think, all right, this isn't working. Fuck it. Sack the coach. That isn't working. Sack the president. Yeah. Get new people in. They want to have their say. So they change everything. They try and make it on its coast. It's just a, it's an never-ending um, spiral, yeah. And you see these successful clubs that go, no, let's not panic, let's not listen to the media, let's just keep bringing in good people, and time will change. And we we'll yeah. slowly go. That's why Geelong and Hawthorns, to an extent, have been successful for so long.
2: Well, I, th- I think you can only base it on on like you can you can you can be you can lose and move forward. Mm. I think it's when you're losing and you're not moving forward as a group, that's, that's when the situation arises where, you know, maybe that's what happened at North Melbourne is the people in charge thought, okay, we're, we're losing. We can tolerate losing because it's just where we're at. But we're not actually moving forward as a group. We're not ha- – the, the, the young players aren't, aren't learning the things right now that we need to be learning on. And that's an assumption that I'm making from the outside. Mm. But, you know, that, that, that was the thing with Tomo is we, we were losing but we were learning. You know, we were improving not just as players, but we were improving as men. So he was before his time. He took us to um, London on a training camp where this was before teams were doing the overseas training camp thing. And we, we, we went over and we, we trained with Lord Sebastian Coe and Daley Thompson, you know, two of the, the greatest athletes of all time. And, yeah. and it, was a, it was an eye-opening experience for a lot of guys that had never left, left the country before. Next year we went to South Africa. Um, and stayed at Pochestrom not far out of the you know Soweto, which is one of the biggest slums in the world, and trained for three weeks. We went to China for a training camp, You know learn about different cultures. We, d- we stayed in this amazing it was like a sports academy in Guangzhou where kids were plucked from all over the country to come into this training center. and they were kids and we looked at the discipline, with which they and, – and the accountability with which they were held to mm. and we're meant to be a professional sporting team. You know, like there was, there was some cra- – like we saw some crazy things. It was like at one stage there were these little girls and they were gymnasts and they were, they were being stretched by these coaches past the point of what was comfortable, like oh, talking yeah. five, six-year-old girls. And it was uncomfortable to watch but – in turn, like it was, it was just an eye opener, I guess. Like it was, it was just taking us out of the footy bubble, making us more worldly. Allowing us to experience different things and take different learnings out of different experiences, and um, and it was just so valuable, so valuable, and it it was no surprise that we were able to hockey stick so quickly out of what was you know pretty pretty poor run of form, and you know I think two years after winning five games, we, we played in back to back prelims and played in finals nine out of the next ten years. So, um, you can lose, but as long as you're doing the work, well, then it can change quickly.
0: Well, I, yeah, I love your point. I think it's it's spot on, and I think there's no reason why. So there's no uh coincidence why Carlton have been able to do what they've been able to do this year. And yeah, I think even from when I was there, you look at someone like Brendan Bolton, David Teague, people might look at that and go, oh, how good's Voss been? And I'm not taking anything away from him. He's been incredible. But I know for a fact they wouldn't be where they are now without mm. going through those
2: periods of the other coaches yeah. as well. And it's the conversations you're having on the way through and it's not applicable just to footy. It's applicable to everything oh, yeah. you do in your life. Like – um you know everything you're doing now well it's like every every decision you make every like and as a footballer specific to football everything you put put in your mouth everything you do on the training track everything you do monday to friday you know in life every every decision you make is either taking you closer to where you want to go or where you want to be as a as a person or from a career point of view mm. or every decision you make is taking you further away it's it's only one of two things and so i think it i think you know it's 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 easier with footy because it's it, it's probably not as oh, it's probably more black and white i think in footy because you know what's right and you know what's wrong um you know what professional looks like and you know what you know being indulgent looks like but from lo- from a life point of view it's it's a, it's a hard thing to do like in every decision you make thinking about you know the the consequence of where i want to end up as a person but it's a Oh, like absolutely throughout my footy career, I, I, I use that as a as a bit of a bit of a bit of a guide.
0: Mm. I love that. I um, read a book recently. I, I'm new to reading. I've got a Kindle. Um, I don't nice. Know if you've got one of those, but I read this book called The Mountain Is You, and it's about self sabotage, all these sorts of things. And yeah. at, towards the end of the book, there was this one part of it that resonated with me more than anything. And I think you know, I look back and I've you know, just a kid growing up, you know, to my footy career, I used to look back on yeah. that and be like, "Fuck you, idiot! You wasted your time. You did this." But it talks about your life in like five to seven year periods. And it says where you are now, write a letter back to yourself five years ago and thank them. And you like, thank yourself for those mistakes because it's got you to where you are now. And then the other contrary to that is you write a letter to yourself in five to seven years of who you want to be. Mm. And you also thank them for what you're about to learn. So then you go forward and you go every lesson that you, everything that comes to you, like now, the decision is to yourself, what would the CEO of myself say, so that person in seven years, how would they face this situation today? And it's been a massive game changer for me because there's times where if it's you, you let yourself down, you know, like if it's you, but if you can refer that to someone else, it's not me, it's who I want to be and you run that decision to them, you go, well, you know, I've got really on today. Should I go out tomorrow night and have a bender and then come to the interview or do I stay home and prepare or whatever it is relevant in your life? And you go, well, what would, the best version of myself. What would the CEO yeah. mean? Seven years. How would I handle the situation? Yeah. And you're always going to be honest. And you go, "Fuck, well I got to do it's,
2: it." Yeah. It's, it's holding yourself accountable, right? Mm. Um, it's funny because I think about that from a footy point of view because I look back now and I don't have I don't have regrets with how I I went about preparing or doing any mm. of that sort of stuff. But I do think at times, should I have enjoyed it more? Mm. So that would have flown in the face of what I was thinking at the time because I think maybe a little bit more enjoyment might have been that I wasn't as as serious and as maybe not diligent, but yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tricky one. And I think you can, you know, you, you look back and um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have any, I don't have any regrets about, you know, anything I, anything I did sort of during, during my career. And um, you know, that's probably the thing that I'm most, most proud of is that I know I, I just know I got everything out of myself. Um, you know, and so you, you know, all the conversation about not winning a premiership always comes up and you know, that, that still stings and I think forever it will, but it's, well, you know, what else could, what else could I have done? You know, like, yeah, probably not played on in the goal square and been smothered by head shore. You know, that would have been a good decision. Mm-hmm. But outside of execution stuff, um, you know, the, the effort was was a box that was ticked pretty well. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. Ross Lyon. Yeah. What'd you learn from him? A a lot. Like Rossi, what I I learned from Ross probably above everything else was that you you can find the balance of creating a high accountability environment without losing people because I feel like more and more the – and it's not right or wrong, but I'm maybe a little bit more old school in in that I would prefer the stick more often rather than the carrot, but I feel like it's completely flipped now to – you know don't yell at me it's a teaching environment you know tell me what i'm good at not what i'm bad at um and that's that's fine like that's that's i guess how a lot of people want to want to learn and improve but ross had an incredible ability to be able to challenge really really strongly without losing the group um so yeah he 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 was a master at that and then he you overlay that with his strategical nous within the game and he was he was just a brilliant coach
0: i'm really passionate about that side of things with coaches and challenging yeah. and, and not challenging or where, when to be nice and when to be when to be hard. Because I, I think a little bit like yourself, I think maybe the game has gone a little bit the way of, yeah. of that. And and to be honest, it is a great thing. You look at how many good players now. I don't think we've had the talent ever of young players really doing what they're doing mm. in the AFL. You look at guys like Nick Dacos, you, you know, Ginovan, all these sort of guys. I don't think back in the day that really happened as much. Like it did, but not as consistent across the board. Yeah. But I think then it actually sometimes it then doesn't affect the guys that actually need the, the hard conversations. Yeah. And I think as long as you know which one's to challenge and which yeah. one's you don't, that's where you can get your most wins. Yeah,
2: like it frustrated the shit out of me towards the end of my career. Um, the fact that you couldn't – you just couldn't have the same sort of conversations. Um, so, you know, that 360-degree 300, feedback stuff that I was exposed to when, as a young player that at times was pretty brutal um, – but I, I just think it made you better, mm. and in, and it just it just got phased out. At least that was my experience late in my career, and it, and it really, um, yeah, it really made things from my point of view a little bit more difficult. Um, but that being said, like I was, when Jay Gresham got drafted, um, we had like a welcome drinks or whatever, and he came in and he was eighteen. I must have been like thirty two at the time, and I ended up having beers with his old man because his old man was thirty six. So, you know, like <laughs> I, was, you know, I was having beers with my teammate's old man as yeah. opposed to my teammate because we were similar in age and we just, yeah, we had more in common. So I, I had to accept that, you know, he probably walked in and thought, I'm not having beers with that guy. It was actually, it was actually pretty sad. Like we'd, you know, we'd finish a game. <laughs> this, is, this is pretty brutal. We'd finish a game and, um, you know, towards the end of my career and, you know, everyone's in the locker room. It's whatever, what's everyone doing? You know, yeah. what's, you know. Oh, nothing. Probably have a quiet one. So I'd be like, all right, sweet. So I'd just like <laughs> drive home. I'd call Lee Montagna. Hey, what are you up to? Nothing. I'm like, all right, come over. We'll have a And of red. And, um, and then you'd be on Instagram and you'd see all the boys are like, Ow. <laughs> Somewhere it's at a club, or at a bar, or at a restaurant, with everyone like, okay, we're clearly out of the loop yeah. now. It's, this is this is this is pretty demoralising. So yeah, th- yeah, things things change, and you know different age groups and different demographics. But um, yeah, I, I still think there's there's place for. There's a place for hard conversations. Quick break of today's podcast, fam, to talk to you about our friends at Budgie Smuggler. They've got an incredible code for us for
0: our fathers for Father's Day. Ten percent off using the code Dill and Friends. That's Dill and Friends. My name and Friends. The name of the show is used for the code for 10% off on budgysmuggler.com.au. You can get some budgie smugglers. You can get some cool ones, some shy ones, some loud ones. Your dad will absolutely love them. And if not even some nice little Australian-made woolen merino socks for your old man to keep those toes warm. But in all seriousness, we love our dads. We cannot thank them enough. We actually... Well, yeah, we would not be here if it wasn't for him. So let's absolutely treat them this Father's Day and get some, some budgie smugglers from Budgie Smuggler using that code Dylan friends, 10% off, xx. Your dad will love you forever. I want to talk about your career, you personally, you yourself, you as an athlete, um, how you got to being the best individual you could be. Mm-hmm. So as I said before, there's a part of, and, and I hope that this is uh, on contrary to yourself, uh, sorry, agreements with yourself is, if I think of Nick Redd, I think of just someone just fucking burning from full forward, hitting the arcs, uh, getting back. I think of Mick Jamison, um, you know, one of my really good mates one day. He was just spewing up, trying to play on you. Nathan Brown, the same thing. Was that always you or did you learn that? Uh, and why?
2: I think I, yes and no. So, yes, yes, it was, but but I de- but it was a, a learned skill specific to footy. So, I think I've always just been a trier. Mm. Um, so we
0: call you a doer.
2: A doer, yeah, yeah. Trying and doing are different, though. I think doing, doings. I think doings. You you actually get it done. Mm. Trying's with no guarantee of success. I
0: think, yeah. Well, I would argue that I'm probably a tryer because I don't always succeed in it, but I like to do. Yeah, doing. Like some
2: people say, don't. There is no try. There's only you know do, do or do not. That's Yoda, isn't it? don't know, just me. (laughs) Just (laughs) me. Must be forty. Just me. Like Star Wars and Survivor. (laughs) No, we we weren't alive in Star Wars. (laughs) Um. So. Yeah, you weren't a wife. Far <laughs> out. That's just whack. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I was always a try. doesn't yeah. matter what it was. I always, like, whether it was school, um, you know, sport, I just, I always tried really hard. And so then when I arrived at St Kilda, one of the first things I did was grab a grab a mentor, grab a role model. And for me it was Aaron Hamill mm. um, because I just looked at him, you know, really it up really quickly that he just he was an animal he just the way he prepared the way he trained now robert harvey was the same but robert like halves was 30 and you know probably less inclined to um spend time with an 18 year old not because you know he was you know reluctant to mm-hmm. just because he was you know busy or whatever um so yeah i, I just was a sponge for for knowledge and and just basically hung off Aaron like a like a bad smell just followed him everywhere trained did what he did and and just picked it up quickly and I always had a pretty good tank but I I I did a lot of work early in my career um, just on um, sort of positive affirmations and I've still got the books from my, my my second year my first year I was injured for the majority of the year but about like f- eight weeks into my, my first proper season, my second year, I just wasn't – like I was impatient and I just wanted to be really good. And so I'd, I'd had conversations with a couple of mentors with Tommy I was like, well, what are, you, what are you doing about it? What do you want to be as a player? And like the, the sort of underpinning line that I just came back to is, well, I want to be the hardest working forward in the game. So I would just write it and write it and just like 100 times a day you know, and I would talk about myself in the third person, which is a bit cringe, but I would, you know, that's what affirmations are. So Nick or is the hardest working forward in the game. And then just two or three actions that would underpin that, you know, it's like, you know, um, burn my opponent with explosive leads, get up and beat them back, you know, just really specific sort of actions that would tie into being the hardest working forward in the game. And I'll just write it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it until in the end it, it's sort of after a year or two, that's what people started saying. So it, I just almost manifested it into existence, um, and yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a skill that I walked through the door with, but I worked at, and in the end, it almost became just a bit of a badge of honour. So once people started, you know, reaffirming what I'd been telling myself, it just fueled that desire to keep doing it and keep doing it and get better at it and refine it. And in the end, that was sort of that was sort of my identity, I guess. Like I was not a I was different to a lot of the other the key forwards that were coming through at the time. So I needed I needed to play that way to, to be good. So I guess identifying my own strengths, um, drilling down on them, reaffirming them and then acting them out.
0: For, for people, because that's incredibly put, for people that are trying to master whatever skill it is, work, footy, netball, whatever they're doing what do you think comes first in that? Because firstly, like you've written down what you want to do, Mm. but then there's another part where you've got to go out and do it. And then the belief comes. So it's sort of like working out what it is, writing it down, doing it, and then actually becoming it.
2: Yeah. Well, I think, I I think it has to be, it has to be something in in your mind is, is achievable. Is achievable. It's got to be achievable. Otherwise you, you know, you, you bang your head up against a brick wall and, and you do the work and, um, you know, disappointment is a, is a hard thing to, to overcome continually. So if you're continually not getting there, well then it's going to be hard to sort of maintain that work, I think. So yeah, identifying what it is you you want to be, what you want to achieve, where you want to get to. um, And then what, what are the actions that are going to give you the best chance of succeeding with no guarantee of success, but what, what, what is going to give you the best chance? Mm -hmm. And, and, and then you either do the work or you don't, you know, there's no secret. I think that's, you know, that's, that's probably the thing that stands out in, um, in all forms of sport is there's no secret, like there's no magic formula. You just, you either do the work or you don't. Mm. And, and all the, all the, all the great players, they, they do the work. Some guys can bob up for a season. Um, and we see it all the time. Players bob up, have a really good season. And then you wonder why they're never able to recreate it because you just got to continue to do the work. Um, That's
0: it. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. Enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone. So get on board with KO now also available on Hubble. Do you know what's really interesting on that point? And, and you know, there might be players that pop to mind that jump out when I say this, but I like to think that it got to the stage where I was putting in, you know, every work that I could, I could do it. But things weren't happening. Yeah. But as soon as I left, those habits put me in good place for yeah. it, into the real world. 100%. And, and what yeah. what happens with this is a lot of players you see in the AFL or, or whatever sport they say, oh, geez, they're dominating, but they do have those down years yeah. or whatever it is. But you see a lot of really good players maybe not be able to transition those habits into the real world because you need – those habits set you up for life. It's not yeah. just a you work hard and you're going to hit the flanks and then you're going to go and not try hard at Fox Footy. Like that is you're yeah. going to take that mindset into the next thing. Whereas – some players, um, for example, one player that comes to mind, Nick Graham, who is a player that you know I played with and never quite got a game. Was always dropper. He's he never changed and since yeah. then he's gone into things post footy and you go yeah. oh, I'm not surprised that he's yeah. successful
2: well like a guy that comes to mind for me is a guy called Michael Ricks who you know might not ring a bell with mm-hmm. you but he he played early 2000s and he he was just an like he was an animal he was the ultimate teammate he prepared really well and he gave himself every opportunity every chance to be mm-hmm. a, a really good AFL footballer and it didn't work out for him but he he leaves footy he's worked all over the world he works for BP he's worked at McKinsey I think he's worked at Boston Consulting Group. Like it's yeah, no shit. Mm. Because he, he's just a worker and he was always gonna be successful because that would that that work ethic and desire to just get the most out of himself was ingrained. And at the same time there are other guys, you know, that you know that, you know, weren't wired that way and, and they, they go on post career and, and struggle. Um and you know, that that's another another conversation in, in itself, you know, the the what happens to players when they when they leave the game. But mm. Um, yeah, like do the work. Robert Harvey used to say it to me or like he would just, would walk past and every, every time we played together before we'd walk up the race, he'd just say, there's no, no substitute for hard work. Like, Just do the work. Mm.
0: Matt is um, another one. So that it's going to be really interesting to see what he does post football.
2: Well, like, he's, he's got his like venture capital thing. Venture right? capital, yeah.
0: um, He's on about four four different boards, yeah, um, awesome. Athletic Ventures, which has got some of the best yep. athletes in the country on it, and Play. just one of the best operators yeah. you've ever seen. One yep. of those guys that like you know he would just check in, call me, then within five minutes he sent like a follow up dot point email of like yeah, what nice. we just spoke about. Yeah, like and it. It's just crazy. That's, like that's just a supreme operator. Um. Lastly, on you, just to keep talking on the on the footy side of things, was there anything that you did or any advice that you'd give to those guys? Now look look at someone at the moment like Max King, yep. what he's going through as a young void in the game now. What would you be doing? And, and it's all changed, right? Because you look at the, the argument, what's happening at the moment with um with goal-kicking Matthew Lloyds yeah. come in and said, you know, he wanted to give him goal-kicking practice. Like, was that something that you were doing? Would you do that? Or you just trust your team? Like, they've got Jared Ruffhead there. He's one of the best, you know, forwards of all time. I think mm. that they should be okay.
2: I'd take control of my own career. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would I would say if the club are, you know, I, I know the club pushed back on, on Lloydy last time and it's probably hard for a, a second-year player to say no. I, like, I'll... I want to do this, but I think now you get to a point where it's, no, I'm going to take control of my own career. Mm. So with all due respect, if you want me to be the best, best version of myself, allow me to go out and seek these, the, these external influences or piece of, of advice that I think are going to be, be beneficial. So, you know, you can, you you can place all your faith in the club, and and mm. that, and that's and that's fine. And I'm sure there are you know people down there that are working with him. But if if, if someone's self motivated and self directed enough to be able to, to to actually want to seek outside help, I, I think that can only be a positive.
0: Chris Judd would always say like the program is the bare minimum. That's it. And yeah. he would then go out from there and just do about 15 other yeah. things that no one knew about. And he almost yeah. took pride in knowing that no one else was knew yeah, that he was yeah. doing them.
2: Yeah. Robert Harvey was like that, and but probably to his detriment. Like we'd finish training and then, you know, living bayside, and you'd see halves, you know, pounding up and down Beach Road, pushing a stroller, like going for a like a twenty k run. Um, or he had he had a sore plantar fascia. Have you ever heard this? Yeah, story? Yes, yes. He had a yeah. sore plantar fascia, and that, so that's the um, the ligament underneath your foot, and it's excruciating. But the only way you can sort of really get over it is if you snap it. So he would he he went through like this session where he would stand on his kitchen bench, jump off his kitchen bench, and land on his foot, trying to break his own plantar fascia. And I reckon I think it took him like thirty jumps, but he eventually did it. Strolled into training, he's like, "I'm good, to, I'm good to go again." Like what a, what an animal! That's psychological. <laughs> an
0: that is Isn't that crazy? Uh, anyone who's had plantar fascias, it like it is oh my the, gosh, it feels like you sort of got a bruised bottom of your foot, like you've stepped on like a fucking rock or something yeah. right in the middle. Jesus, yeah. Animal. Not good. The part around Saints as well that I'm always really keen to know about, and we spoke about the Grand Finals before, but I think that season twenty oh, I always bring it up shows when in thirteen in a row when you played Geelong, I think you'd won yeah. thirteen in a row. Yeah. That team that was playing at that stage. Was that peak St. Kilda Footy?
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think we ended up winning 19 in a row that year. Um Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was like it was it was a lot of fun. And we were just in our own little, in our own little bubble. Um, the the conversations that would occur, the preparation. I just I think back to, I think back to what what we were doing throughout that period in terms of just we were all in. It was all in to try and try and win a flag. And you know we'd finish training on a Tuesday, and you know you talk about the program being the bare minimum. Well then, you know usually everyone would go home after training, but we had like. 12 guys that would go straight to the St Kilda sea bars, charge out into the ocean in the middle of winter, you know, waves crashing on on the St Kilda foreshore there and doing recovery out in the middle of winter at night in the dark, in the, like it was just stuff that wasn't really replicated any other time throughout my career. And, um, I, I do look back, it's kind of mixed, I guess, because we had such a good group. We had such a good culture um, we were successful in the sense that we, you know, we won a lot of games in footy, but you just don't have that um, cherry on the top. And that's at least externally, you know, when, you, when you're speaking, I feel like at times, and maybe this is just in my own head, but I feel like at times when you're speaking glowing terms about that period, people always... But yeah, yeah, but you didn't. Mm. So it, it's it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a tricky one. But it's funny. I used to talk to the um, to the younger guys at St Kilda later in my career about that era, and they would ask about it. It's like, yeah, well, gee, your midfield was good. You know, they'd see a photo or something. It's like, yeah, we had Lenny Hayes and Nick Del Sano, Brennan Goddard, Lee Montagna, Luke Ball, you know, Michael Michael Gardner in the ruck. We you know, it was a it was a pretty strong midfield. Like, yeah, how did you guys not win it? It's like, well. You know, Geelong midfield in 09 was Gary Ablett, Jimmy Bartel, Joel Corey, Corey Enright, um, James Kelly, you know, Joel Selwood. They were pretty good too. Mm. So it was – they, they, those two years were really – we were a dominant side. Geelong were a dominant side. Brutal grand final in 09 and we, we, you know, we don't get across the line. And then 2010 – Collingwood were Collingwood were the dominant team that year, and we we really played out of our skins in the second half of that drawn grand final. Mm. Um, but it's you know it's like we've spoken about a few times already today. You do the work, and but you do it with no guarantee of success. You just got to put yourself out there and take the emotional risk to be great, and make yourself vulnerable. That make yourself vulnerable in the sense that if you do the work and you don't quite get there, you have to be okay with that. Um, and that's why I think in 2011, we dropped away so quickly was because we had done the work and not get there and we had broken hearts. So it was almost like a subconscious, Oh, I'm afraid to put myself out there again. Mm. You know, I'm afraid to ask that girl out because if she says no again, I just can't take the rejection. You know, it was, it was a bit like that. And, um, Lenny Hayes went down early in 2011 round two. I think he did his knee out for the year. It was like. Oh, we we couldn't do it with Lenny. How are we going to do it yeah. without him? And that's you know that's the um, that's the little that's the little five percent that when people talk about how hard it is to go back to back or how hard it is to recover from a, a losing you know like the dogs this year a losing grand final they're the little they're the little conversations that no one ever hears about that every player would be having internally um, and that was you know that was our experience
0: crazy. Did mm-hmm. you ever think about leaving the Saints? I know there was some some reported sort of times. Yeah. Where obviously um, Gold Coast.
2: Gold Coast came hard in oh nine, but we were in contention. Yeah. And by that stage my family had relocated to Melbourne. So the Lua was you know, it was not really that strong. And then twenty thirteen, so Saints were going like bustards. Um, and Eddie Eddie like Fucking Eddie, yeah. he's so good. Uh, Eddie McGuire made a bit of a play, so he played it beautifully. It was like very well orchestrated. Mm-hmm. So I um, Eddie just reached out and said, "Hey, I'm keen to have a chat." And we we had a really good relationship. Um, keen to have a chat about your future and media and this and that. And so I went round to his <laughs> went, yeah, well well done, Eddie, <laughs> well done. So I went round to his um, pad in Turak and walked in and you know palatial, nice. Um, and he grabbed me a Peroni and we sat down and we had a beer. He goes, oh, look, I'm, I'm actually not here to talk to you about the media. I'm here to talk to you about coming to Collingwood. And I was like, what? what really? What, what the fuck are you talking about? Anyway, so he just lay it out and he said, look, we'd, I'd love you to consider it. I'd like you to think about it. Um, we had a really good conversation. And it was just – it was something that I hadn't even thought of. Like I hadn't – it just hadn't entered my mind, particularly going to Collingwood. It's like Collingwood – Really? Um, and so the rest of the week passed. I commentated in the, I think it was a 2013, yeah, uh, grand final. Was that Hawthorne-Fremantle? Or was that 14? Uh, 2013. 2013. Yeah, 3-0, yeah. 3-0 Hawthorne. Hawthorn, And um, did the game, Channel 7. Next day I was on the plane to the States. And I sat in my seat, at like on the plane, uh, and – I got a text message come through from Eddie Maguire. He goes, hey, Rui, I know, know you're um, I know you sitting on the plane waiting to take off. I'm like, how the fuck does he know that I'm sitting on the plane right now? Okay, well done. And then he, he goes on to say, um, I just want to give you this to think about while you're flying over to the States. I'm like, oh, perfect. Now I'm going to think about nothing else for the next 14 hours while I'm on the way to LA. He goes, Brian Lake played for Hawthorne in a premiership yesterday and won the Norm Smith Last year he was playing for the you know for the Western Bulldogs. To, had the courage to make the move and look where he was yesterday. You know, if you come to Collingwood, you'll be you'll be playing in front of you know seventy thousand every week. Anzac Day, blah 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 blah. Your own personal travel agent to take care of your flight. All like it was it was just this unbelievable pitch in a text message, and for the next fourteen hours, that's all I thought about. Like I I had nowhere else to go Is in it my like, mind. As you were taking off. Uh, like, it, 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 as I no was reception. taking off, reception drops out. Oh, yeah. It's like I can't call anyone. <laughs> I can't talk to anyone. The person sitting next to me looks like they have no clue about football. So I am I am stuck. And it was like it was I thought about it. Like I did think about it. Um because in the in the few years prior, BJ had been traded, Nick Del Santo had been traded, Ben McAvoy had been traded, Lenny was coming to the end. Um Blake Kazichki Milne Baker Gardner like the nucleus of our 0910 squad was gone and it was clear that the club the club cut and cut hard they ripped the soul out of the joint and it was you know it was not as enjoyable a place to be as it had been for mm-hmm. me and the I knew that the prospect of us contending again was was a way off so uh, like I can I I considered it and I considered it strongly Ultimately, the advice that I got was that it was, you know, it was it was a little bit around my contract too because the, the club was, you know, playing – they were playing sort of, um, you know, a bit of a game where I was on four one-year deals to finish my career, which, you know, it was a – you know, which was something that I I'd, I'd thought I'd, I deserved better than. Um, and so the offer from Collingwood was going to be, you know, a bit more secure and, and um, more significant. But – was just in the end a, a, a decision a life-changing decision with no sort of this is the old no guarantee for successing right whereas if i if i stayed i sort of knew a bit more what my future looked like being a one club player was was really important to me there was no guarantee that if i went to collingwood they were going to be contending again and, and that's sort of how it how it worked out until 2018 when i'd retired anyway so despite you know despite his best intentions and and the pitch it was yeah, it was it was St Kilda in the end, but it was a it was an interesting couple of weeks, and just out of the blue, just out of nowhere. Hey, how good's um, that play though! So he's he's best, right? he must have had people the He must have known. Like I, I told him when I was when I was like not not the time or the airline, but I told him that I was flying to to the states the next uh, on the on the Monday it must have been. Um And he just yeah, he just nailed it. It was a really good it was a really good pitch, and that but that's why. He was such a good representative, you know, for that football club for so long because he, he did the work.
0: He definitely did. Did you did you leave football? Did you retire? No. Nope. You didn't retire?
2: No. Didn't you? I got the tap. Everyone gets a tap, don't
0: they? Well, that's true, but I thought it was a retirement. Well, it was. Because you left like I feel yeah. like you left with more in the tank. Was yeah.
2: that and that wasn't purposefully? Well, I was keen to go on. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was pretty keen to go on. Um, but it sort of, it got to a point where about halfway through what ended up being my last year, it was just like, I started reading the signs a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, i ultimately like it It worked out really well, mm-hmm. I think for everyone. Um, but yeah, I was, I was really, I was really, I was really keen to keep going. I like, I would have, I would have gone till I couldn't walk anymore. And I still felt like physically I had um, I had limitations, but um, that I could I could still maybe not play at the level that I'd I'd always played at, but a level that was would still stand up you know, in the AFL. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was it it took like it was hard to get my head around to begin with um, that something that I'd always been so proficient at people had lost confidence in your ability to do that. That's quite confronting. You know, being having been at you know at at a, at a level where there was outside of some sort of some criticism on a week to week basis, which was temporary, people had always been yeah well he's he's a good player like so he's you know he'll figure it out. But it, when it got to a point where I felt like I'd lost the the belief of those making the decision, I yeah it was it was confronting.
0: It like identity wise, yeah, or-
2: identity wise. Um, even just, just emotionally, like, um, yeah, just cause I, cause I, I still felt like I had, I had a bit to offer. Um, and so, you know, like you, when you're in, when you're in, you're all in. Mm. And then it was, it was a hard, it was a hard thing to reconcile that I was still in, all in in my own mind, but. Other people didn't feel that way. So that's yeah, but that's that's the Nate. like how many people truly retire? I I don't think anyone really does. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's the you know, that's the life of an athlete, I guess. Do you look back
0: now though and happy with the decision? Yeah. Because yep, worked you've, out. you've yep. left the game with such a like legacy. You know how there's yeah. always some players that go, Oh, I probably maybe should have gone yeah the year before. Yeah. Like you've left the game at the nearly at the top yeah, of your I, game. I
2: didn't I yeah, I definitely don't feel like I went too late. Yeah. Um, you know, like I joke that I think I could still play. Yeah, (laughs) You couldn't play
1: cricket, but yeah,
2: that's right. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like, yeah, no, really, really comfortable with the way it works. It's worked out now. Um, but the, for me it was like, part of it was the paranoia that I was going to miss out. That, On something. Oh yeah. yeah. What if next year they just bounce? Like they have one of those year where years where you bounce. So in so I jump straight into the media at Fox Footy radio stuff, and it, you have to do preseason predictions. And people ask me how are the Saints going to go, and I was anywhere from fourth to fourteenth. I said I don't know, and and a lot of people were saying fourth, you're off your head. But I like I think it was just my own paranoia that gee if they finish fourth, then anything can happen. And what if what if this is the year and I miss out like. So Harves retired at the end of 2008. Mm. And then 2009, we, we go within a whisker of winning a flag. I can imagine, and I, I, didn't, I didn't really think about it at the time, but how hard that 2009 season must have been for Robert Harvey, playing 21 seasons and then the year after he leaves, and he went out in pretty good form too, we go and do what we did. I was worried about that same thing happening to me.
0: It's a a very interesting one because I I know this has happened to a lot of players since like you look at yeah, even of lately and not to not to say these guys are, are dirty with the clubs or anything, but look at even like Mark Murphy and yeah. Cade Simpson who have been absolute stalwarts of the club and yeah. will go down as, as yeah. you know, some of the, the best players to play with Carlton. Yeah. And the year that they finish up and they've gone through all that fucking heartbreak and yeah, then yeah, you just yeah. see a glimpse. Yeah, yeah. Same as our friend, you know, Brett Delidio, like one of the heartbreaking stories. Yeah. Like it's just it's so tough. So for, you just don't know the timing.
2: So every time I see lids, I um I'm taken back to so 2017. So what was a bit of the icing on the cake for me was careers over, right? Mm. And then I've got to watch my, my silly cousin go and go and do what he did, winning the winning the flag. And so we'd always had we'd always had running jokes. And so on Christmas Eve when we'd go to um, we'd always go to my um, so our dads are brothers. Yep. So we'd go to Omar and Orpah's place at German grandparents Heinz and Helga very german our, our grandparents had these coasters like these cardboard coasters that they'd kept for like 20 they were cardboard but they for some reason they'd kept them for 20 years and they would always work their way onto the table at on christmas eve so we would start writing stuff on the bottom of it and you know like sledging each other and you know i think my sister wrote at one stage will jack ever play in a final blah 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 you know because like, at that stage richmond were no good and so there was always this banter back and forth, you know, will Nick ever win a Coleman after Jack had won a Coleman and like real competitive. And so then you fast forward, my career is finished. I'm doing the lap before the game with the kids and James is like, daddy, daddy, I want to run through the banner because he'd run through the banner a few times. He'd run through it for my 300, through my last game. And I said, oh, sorry, buddy, you, you can't run through the banner Um you know, daddy's not playing. He goes, no, no, not with you, with Jack. So that was just like another <laughs> knife, <laughs> knife in me. I haven't played the game yet, yeah. but it got to the point where I thought, Jack's, they're about to win this. Like, so I actually had to leave the MCG. So I walked, I just couldn't, I just couldn't handle, well, It's not like I was wrapped for Jack, right? Yeah. But I just, it was just everything was converging all at once that my career was over, I hadn't won one. There were like Premiership players everywhere at the grand final function. I felt really miserable, um, but then I saw Matthew Pavlich and Robert Murphy standing there, so I went and stood with those guys because it was like misery loves company, and we were all standing there going, "This sucks," you know. Like, but yeah, I left the MCG in the third quarter because Richmond were going to win, and I just, I just, so I was standing over at Richmond Station, like empty, deserted, just listening to the noise of the MCG. Got on the train, went home, you know. Got home for the for the end of the grand final. Didn't see any of the killers stuff. Um, it was just it was just a bit too it was just a bit too soon and a bit too sort of painful to have to confront. Yeah,
0: um, I actually I really refreshingly appreciate your honesty on this because so many people lie and say uh, how happy they were for not not in the show yeah. but just in general. Yeah, like we all, I've done it. I've been I, there, and you say that you're happy for people when you're actually not. But yeah. that doesn't mean you're not. Happy for them. Yeah. You just fucking shattered and Jack, yourself.
2: Yeah, I was sh- Yeah. And and Jack knew, like Jack knew how hard it was. And we did we probably didn't see I didn't see Jack after he'd won the flag in twenty seventeen until like a week and a half later. Mm. And he like he was sheepish like coming over because he he knew, like he knew that I would have just been so jealous of him and, and I like I was, and I am like, I'd love to have been able to, to win one. I'm super proud of him. Of course, at the same time, his family, but yeah, like it was, it was, I think just the fact that the book closed on my career and he, you know, someone so close to me was experiencing the thing that I wanted so desperately within the space of a couple of weeks. It was, it was a lot. Mm.
0: It's hard. We are. We had Nathan Jones on the pod as well. Oh a yeah, few months ago. Who's just an incredible, Same thing, right? incredible story. Yeah. But he looks at it now, and you can tell. Well, that's even how, harder because it's your own team. It's your home team, but also yeah. the fact that like he has done a lot of work and incredible guy. Like just so well articulated yeah. in, in the growth that it came from and how he much he learned from it. He, he sort of looks at it now, and as much as he'd love to win the grand final. He almost said that he's a better person now for not doing
2: it. Well, sometimes you don't get what you want; you get what you need. Exactly, and that's how I reconcile it. But every time I say it, someone will go, "Yeah, no one that says a premiership would say that. Yeah, but no, it's no a- one that won a premiership <laughs> yeah. would say that." Well, yeah, it's nearly
0: more, um, you're nearly more in folklore for not winning because there's so many people that win. Oh, it.
2: thanks, still. No, but like you, like you are. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like that's that's ah. what it is. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, you know, it's all good. Hey, look, my old man won three. I didn't win any, so our yeah. interesting dinners. But you know, I have a podcast. That's good. He doesn't, he doesn't yeah,
2: That doesn't have a podcast. No, he? he
0: doesn't. He doesn't. Um, mate, on a serious I would love to talk about your sister and Maddie's vision and, yep. and what an incredible incredible impact that's having on, on the world and the footy world at this stage, if you happen to talk about it. But yeah. um firstly, even just if you let us know a little bit of the story and how it all came about, yep. it'd be, be huge.
2: Yeah. So Maddie was diagnosed with a, a bone marrow failure syndrome, which is like we I was we were totally ignorant. Like we didn't even really understand what, age what it was. was she was twenty one. Yeah, so it was a week before fi- the final started in 2010, um, which was a like a big period, obviously for our family. Like, um, you know, I was playing in a final series, playing in a grand final. Maddie had just been diagnosed with a, a life-threatening illness. Um, it, was, it was it was a it was a big period. Um, she went through a, a number of treatments, um, processes to the point where she was. In remission and then relapse, and so her only her only chance was a bone marrow transplant. So she had that in, in um, twenty fourteen, about halfway through the year in twenty fourteen. Complications, um, and spent pretty much the next seven months. She was in ICU at Royal Melbourne for seven months. So I think she's the longest ever patient, sort of to be within ICU without w- without sort of coming out. Um, so just incredibly traumatic period, you know, like it's not a, it's not a place I ever want to go again is, is, is an ICU, um, is an ICU ward. Um, so she, she obviously, so came to the illness, um, and we pretty, like we, like, you know, once, once you deal with the grief, you never really deal with it, but once, um, we sort of cleared our minds, I think a little bit, it was almost a bit of, we, like what, what do we do now? Because she was such a strong advocate for the cause mm. because it was under resourced. People didn't understand much about it and it drove her crazy. So she, she always wanted to be an advocate for the cause in the event that she got better and clearly she didn't get that opportunity. So we spoke about what we could do to, to honor, honor that legacy. And, um, we established Maddie's vision, um, which raises raises funds for for bone marrow failure syndrome. So we're um we're we're about improving treatments and outcomes and finding a cure. So a lot like specific medical research. Been it's been, twenty fifth February twenty fifteen she passed away. So it's been, uh tw- oh, like seven years this mm. year. Yeah, um so we've raised you know over over 10 million dollars well, I think we're funding 36 medical research projects we've established a Center for research excellence bone marrow biobank which is the the first in Australia we hold an international um, symposium on on bone marrow failure every year where we get you know the preeminent experts from around the world to come in um, so we've we've plugged a gap because there were before there was nothing really um, and and made a you know made a tangible result to a lot of people's lives a lot of what exists now didn't exist seven years ago incredible. when maddie was suffering and if it did it might have might have been a different story for her which is yeah you know, it's a hard pill to swallow but at the same time it's a it's a pretty incredible legacy for for someone to have left so we're, we're proud of that um it's hard to talk about yeah I can imagine. it's hard to talk about because um the the thing the thing about a a a non for profit is it's a business, like it is a it's a proper business that you know it has a it has a and it has corporate governance it has a, a CEO it has a board, um, and as the face, you know I, um, I I have to talk about it a lot, but I have to talk about it a lot of the time with a corporate hat on, or a, um, a business hat on, um, which sort of sucks a bit of the emotion out of it a lot of the time, and so. You know, I I ride the wave of um, talking about it, talking about it, talking about it and almost feeling like I can't feel anything and then out of nowhere it's just bang, something will happen, I'll hear a song that reminds me of Maddie or I'll have a conversation with someone and her name will come up and it's just like a, a jolt and, and then it just comes pouring out. So I'm I'm wrapped and I'm grateful for the opportunity we've had as a family to be able to leverage the platforms that we have access to clearly footy, um, to be able to make a difference. But sometimes it's just, you know, sometimes you just want to be as well. Mm. Um, and that's like, it's probably the people that we've met that have been impacted, um, by bone failure, but then have, have been able to feel the benefits of the existence of Maddie's vision. That's, that's the, that's the carrot that keeps the machine and the, you know, the, the ambition sort of churning. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it, it's just a hard thing to reconcile sometimes. People say it gets easier with time, but in a way I think it, it gets harder because it's, it's longer since you've had a conversation. It's longer since you've had an interaction with the person that you've lost. Um, yeah. And, and grief's a, grief's a, it's just a beast, grief. Um, yeah. Mate, it's I really appreciate you talking about it. It's yeah, um, it's you it's uh, I've spoken about it a lot. Like yeah, it's but, but to the it's point, okay but, yeah.
0: but to the point you made though about not that it becomes a, a business, but you do you, you start to lose that emotion of it and actually yeah. being present and yeah. It, that yeah, it's something that i probably never really thought about. And and you know, there's a lot of things going like that where people have to tell a story and it's yeah, you know, well, fuck this is a story, but what yeah. can I keep to myself and still yeah. live in the present as well? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what can we do to support going forward um, obviously the games are massive the, one. the games is, big what else
2: is um, on the calendars yeah so we uh it's funny like COVID for us as an events-based organization you know mm. majority of our fundraising was done through events so that was that was a challenging period um we we have a number of activations sort of throughout the year MRV.org.au is our website if people want to jump on and educate themselves or donate um but you know we've we've been we've been really well supported by by um, grassroots community, by football community, um, and yeah, we, we've we've made a big difference. So we're you know we're we're really proud of of what we've achieved.
0: That's awesome, mate. We'll have the link in the show notes, and if there's anything we can do, we'll awesome. be we'll be, we'll be yeah. more than happy to jump on board with Thanks, it. Man. It's huge, um, mate. To finish up, I just want to talk about your amazing um, media career now on Fox, just dominating the airwaves. You, I must mean, admit, I actually don't have Foxtel, but I do see. All the, I don't have Foxtel. What do you mean? I, I just don't have it. Like what I, are you? Yeah, okay. I'm, so I'm just a, like, I just don't have. Do you have just, KO? I'll have KO. Yeah. yeah KO so it's on KO, KO as well? Yeah. Good. Well, yeah, I don't yeah, actually yeah. watch any footy at the well, moment. Well, if so you're, if f- you're yeah.
2: a sport, like if you're a footy watcher and a sports watcher and not the other stuff, then KO yeah. is great. Yeah. But so
0: the new show that you've got on at the moment with you, Bucks, yep. uh, Howie.
2: Kath, Bucks, Howie, yep. Brownie. Best on ground. Best on ground. Yeah. Is that the main goal at the moment? That's a, that's a lot. It's a yeah. big show. It's funny. It's a big show. Hey, how with these thongs?
0: Yeah. What is that?
2: It's just a trademark. Is it a trademark? It's a trademark. Yeah. yeah. I'm a shorts wearer. Yeah, okay. So I'm shorts like right through winter. Um, but thong like and people sort of look twice a lot on the really <laughs> cold days, but yeah. thongs, like thongs is another level. It's weird. Yeah. Because thongs it's aren't even really cool anymore. He's he's actually he's actually um a couple of times forgotten and he's had the thongs on behind the little desk there. You can see him. Yeah. 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 It's not a good look. It's great. And how have you found I
0: asked this question, same question to, to Luke Hodge the other yeah. day. So he's gone into media um, after being a captain. Yeah. And at first I was like, jeez, you know, how hard is it to go from being a player in the AFL, a good player, a leader yeah. in this? And then I go, because you're having these conversations, you're talking about players in a way that's uncomfortable. But then another part of me thinks, well, being a club captain, you're actually always having those conversations anyway. So is, yeah. it, is it different? Is it's, it hard?
2: The hardest thing is remembering how hard the game is. Mm. That's the hardest thing. And, you know, like you're – Things happen in your own careers when you're playing and you take it home with you. But a lot of the time in the media, you know, you can fire bullets and then not take them home with you. And that's dangerous because, you know, you, you, you're you probably over, overly critical. And I've been guilty of this, um, of course, in my role as a media commentator is, is you know, being too harsh in my assessment on players or clubs or, or decisions or whatever it is, Um and that that's a bit of that's a bit of the nature of the industry but i think like the thing that i always try to remember and i'm not perfect at it because you're there to do a job and to um, call it as you see it is just remembering how hard the game is because it looks so easy sitting in the stands or in the commentary box or watching it on tv so that that's that's the challenge for me and that's why I like a show like best on ground the new fun. show mm. is you know, people said I walked around without smiling for seventeen years, and and, and you know it's probably true. Like I was pretty, I was pretty um, uptight and wound up. So to do something specific to football and have fun with it, like best song. Like I ate cat food the other week. That's fucked. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really. It was salmon, but well, I changed the label. Oh, I was gonna. It was say, a Gary. That. It was a Gary Hawking uh, oh. reference to whiskers. Oh yeah, yeah. He it's changed his name yeah. to Whiskers. Yeah. <laughs> so I like, you know, did the thing where I pretended to eat cat. <laughs> oh my food. God, I don't have to um, eat cat so we food. like we've done a lot yeah. of fun stuff uh, on that show, which has been which has been really refreshing. Like the contrast between on the couch, which yeah. is hardcore like hardcore analysis, um, and then best on ground, like it's a pretty it's a pretty big spectrum. It's having range, having fun, that's it. So getting in there, because I'm a fun guy. You're deal. a fun
0: hey, you are very funny. There's Some funny stories
2: today that I just, oh, okay. yeah, Thank you are. You. I, was, I didn't know if you've been serious. No, you are. You're a funny guy. I'm very, I'm very <laughs> impressed. Very impressed. Uh, it's good, and it's good. Like, I'm, I realize I'm one of the lucky lucky ones that gets to finish the game and then stay involved yeah. because not everyone, not everyone gets to do that.
0: No, um, no, not at all. Yeah, what's uh, what's in the works for you? Plans? What, what do you want to do outside of footy? Um, or even in footy yeah. more with media. Like where of, do you want it to get to?
2: Well, out of footy, like the media stuff is is great and ticks along, yeah. but it's lumpy because it's 6 7 months of the year and then and then it's done. Um I'm like I'm still on the on the cooking train, postmaster chef. That was oh, wow. that was such an amazing experience and it's right reignited that that passion for me. So, I'm doing I'm doing a, a bit related to that with a, with a few partners. Um which has been which has been really a show like well potentially something in that space or you know a, maybe even a pop-up um, you know put a menu together and and, and do a pop-up restaurant um, I mean they're, they're the things that I'd love to do because I'm passionate about it um, and yeah it's an it's it's funny like you like you get you get thrust into something like that which you know was almost sort of just as a not not a, not a backup to Survivor, but that's sort of how it, how that whole conversation started, and and just where it's taken me now, and I've yeah I've been able to tap into a passion that was sort of just laying there dormant, and so I'm loving I'm loving my cooking. I'm, I, I I take cakes in most most <laughs> nights to Fox Footy for Do really for the cast what you go to Oh, uh, the. The, the favourite is probably like a, a carrot cake okay. at the moment. but I've, It's a little bit boring. Yeah, I did, I did an olive oil not cake. I, no, it depends how it tastes, oh, though, it's really, pretty doesn't good. It? Yeah. It's pretty good. It's got this glaze that I pour in on top of the cake about halfway through, which makes it the outside sort of go... A bit gooier. Gooey and yeah, crunchy. Yeah, I like that. And so you get the contrast then, and the icing's really good. Um, I did an olive oil cake last week oh, with a burnt butter frosting, which was really, So I'm not a really big cake good.
0: person, and I say as my, my wife will be laughing, because she... Always orders cakes and I say I don't like them. I yeah. end up eating them. Burnt Basque cheesecake. Oh, can you make that?
2: Yeah, I did one a couple of weeks ago for Howie. Howie wanted a cheesecake. That cake. is
0: my favorite yeah, cake. Yeah, amazing. Mate. If we can get together, we should make one of those. Well, I've got, a,
2: I've got a, uh, I've got a little blowtorch as well that I just have. You got it. a
0: recipe you can send me because I'll make yeah. it and send one in. Yeah, that oh. is beautiful. Burnt Basque cheesecake. I never knew that. I knew that. Oh, Fantastic. Yeah, one of the best cakes. Baseless, at, um, or with a base? No, it's got the like the harder base. Crispy, but, uh, uh, crunchy base, and then it's yeah. Got the che- but a little bit of cheese and custard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In it. Is it custard yeah. in it as well? Wow. Well?
2: So che- cheesecakes. Yeah. So it's 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 um, cream, cheese, cream cheese, cheese, cream. It's really easy to make well, a cheesecake.
0: The best place I go to, I mean, I'm in the north side. There's a place called Morning Market oh, uh, yeah. near Marion Restaurant, if you on Gertrude Street, and yep, they do this burnt bus yep. cheesecake. That's McConnell,
2: there. I think. Is that McConnell? Uh, Andrew McConnell? Marion? I'm not Sure, is it is. No, but no, apparently no. it's bloody awesome. I think. Ah, uh, Scott I've Pickett, actually, I reckon. Scott Pickett, Marion. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm like into that Gee, world. I didn't realise how
0: big the foodie was
2: in you. Oh, yeah, I love it. I love And eating out? You eat out? Yeah. Eat out. Where do you go? Where's your
0: faves? Oh, uh, like if you're going on a say to people, go out here. Yeah, like, actually, I went out. to
2: um, like I, I like Tippo, like in the city. Have you been to like just I for been a quick, pa- quick no. passer? It's it's a it's a. We are so lucky in Melbourne. You could eat out. Every night of the year, and yeah. not get everywhere, well, not go everywhere. Minamashima, have you been to Minamashima? No. It's in, uh, it's just off Bridge Road. In, it's best Japanese. It's phenomenal. F- Minamashima, it's phenomenal. We love the suggestions. We'll definitely yeah, check it re- out. really, really good. Um, just a um, omakasi menu, so you sit down and they feed you. Love it's, that. It's, it's, it's brilliant.
0: Anything. I just got back from Europe, and I realised when we get home that we are the most lucky yeah. people in the world with all the yeah. food we have here.
2: Oh. Uh, unbelievable. Mel- Melbourne is, Melbourne is world-class. So yeah, I love it. Like I think probably growing up in Tassie as well, like the exposure produce. to produce down there. So I, I dive, um, fish, you know, so we, we dive for, for crayfish and abalone. Do and you really? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um. How,
0: Cause how deep could you have to go for that?
2: Anything from, you know, a metre to 20 metres. And you can or, equalise or,
0: and like how deep do you go? Like what's well, the deepest you Well, deepest
2: we probably go, you, you know, like anything sort of past, you know, 20, 25 meters is with a tank, uh, compressor. Yeah, yeah. So compressor t- a bit less can go wrong. I, th- yeah. I think with a tank, and you can stay down for longer. And obviously, you just as long as you got fuel in the compressor. Shit, that's impressive. Um, but like, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. But the whole experience of taking my boys out, they see you go under the washer. They see you bring up a cray or an abalone. They see you prepare it. They see you cook it, and then you eat like that. That's a that whole sort of paddock to plate experience. Is is a, is a is a pretty rare one to be able to tap into. It's awesome, um, but yeah, like that's Tassie's. Tassie's the best. We haven't oh. we haven't spoken a lot about Tassie, but I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I spent a heap of time down there. It's it's um it's awesome.
0: I know you listen to the, the show um a lot, but most weeks to talk about Tasmania. It's yeah. it's honestly my favorite place yeah in, in Australia. Like oh, I've been Hobart, my place, yeah, Lonnie, everywhere. We're
2: about to East Coast. Um, place called Orford. It's about an hour northeast of Hobart. Good. I'll have to get the, the, the,
0: the details because I've been to Tassie now probably, I'd say, 10 plus times. Really? And I still haven't taken my missus over. Right. So a lot of the times we go for footy or go for yeah. a trip for work. And it's – if you we were we'll, we'll talking before we – in a real weird conversation before we got here about getting back in the ocean, getting yeah. amongst the trees. I think Tassie is one of the places where you can earth yourself the most. Yeah. It, it, you yeah. feel like you are genuinely just – It's just I don't know. There's something in the air there. It is really special. The water's clear. Caught in a bit of a time warp too.
2: Yeah, Tassie's Tassie does have Tassie has a magic about it. Mm. Um, So we 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 get up the coast and where we are, our our place. We don't have um, innocent internet. We don't have you know pay TV or anything like that. So particularly with kids, it's real. It's, know, awesome. it's real time, which is impossible to recreate in Melbourne because there are too many distractions, there are too many vices. Kids want phones, kids want iPads. We get down there and it's, it's, it's a place now where I've got a seven a five and a three-year-old. I'm happy for my older two boys to get on their bikes and to go unsupervised because they're not going to find any trouble. There's no way I'm letting them do that in in the, around yeah. the streets of Melbourne. But down there, you know, go for it. And that's, that's how I grew up and – you know, there's just something real about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but mate, you have to, I've... mate. If you, yeah, you're Please, welcome I will anytime. Oh, yeah. I'll get you. Would, would you get in the water? 100. percent Would you have a dive?
0: I've, dove, I've, did, I've dived before, not for abalone, but for craze, but more up on the west coast in yeah. WA, up at Dampier. Yeah, right. one of my best mates playing bow course. I'm actually organising a trip to head back up at the end of the year. Nice. But it's uh, the water's a little bit warmer up there. It, it is. is
2: seven mil suit. You'll be yeah. fine. You won't even feel it. You get sharks. Yeah, uh, yeah. Have you seen any? I've never seen a big one, but they they're around. Oh yeah, we <laughs> caught we caught a massive mako a couple of years oh, ago. Like a big like a big thumper. Um and so pulling pulling like pulling it in there was a there was a rush and all of that sort of stuff. But then afterwards I was like, eh, okay, so they're around. So you know, my, I was like next time I'm diving, I yeah. couldn't help it. You know, the photo I've got where I'm like, with the with the shark's mouth. Like next next time I went diving, I just had that image in my head and yeah. I was like shit, shouldn't
0: have done that. Yeah. <laughs> my uh But with Boki's dad, who's a pretty much professional diver, like he does night diving. They go off the coast, like hundreds of k's to the um, islands off WA. And he gave me this bit of advice around like diving. And it rattled me still to this day, but also makes me feel somewhat comfortable. He said, never panic if you see a shark, because that shark knew you were there like 20 minutes ago. It's already It already knew you were there. So if you see it, it's actually a good thing. Because it's just sussing you out versus... The Something one that you happens, don't see. It's yeah. gonna it's yeah, yeah. that's that's it. Yeah, gosh. So man. it doesn't make you feel any better, no, really. <laughs> it doesn't, but they're around <laughs> yeah. and
2: like it's yeah, it's it's um but yeah, come down, we'll go diving Please. and then I'll teach you how to cook it.
0: Love it, mate. Thank you so much awesome. for coming in today, it's been incredible. Really appreciate your time, your openness, your honesty, and um keep dominating, mate. We love it. You're a tryer. you're a doer, and um, we're friends. Thanks for having me. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Enjoy it.
2: <laughs> Nick Rewalt.
0: Yeah,
1: Nick Rewalt. Really? What? That was it. awesome. What did you love about it? Oh, man. Every time
0: we have a bottom side, that was the best ever. I don't know. Just really enjoyed it. Awesome guy. Never, obviously never really met him before, but just like, didn't expect him to be as funny as he was. Funny man. Making cakes as well. like Cakes. <laughs> I never
1: thought I'd hear two grown men talk for that burnt long
0: cakes. about cakes. I really want to make that burnt bass cheesecake.
1: I think you should. Um, Sam,
0: say, say what you were just saying before, because it is something where I get very uncomfortable at the end of the show. As soon as it starts winding up, I go oh, man, I've just asked, you know, Nick Reald here. You know, he's come here at the kind of his heart. I don't want to fuck around waste much of his time. So I'm always conscious of their time and being like, oh, good, mate, thank you so much. Like, you can, you can leave. Yeah. But sometimes it comes off a little bit forceful.
1: Well, <laughs> I think you often think people are like, they've got to rush somewhere. Yeah. It's one o'clock on a Monday. Yeah. He's got nowhere to be, and yep. you think he's like got like some kind of board meeting or something <laughs> yeah. to get to. Yep. So you're rushing them out the door, and he's like happy to stick around for a chat.
0: I hope that he didn't think that, but I was just more conscious of his time going, You don't have to stay around here. You've already given so much of your time. I really appreciate it. Versus saying, Get the fuck out. That wasn't what I was meaning. Because <laughs> I'd hang out all day if he, he wanted to. He
1: literally said, you got to get out of here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I actually did. Yeah. I said, Oh, no, you've got to get out. Like, as in, You've got to get out of here. We'll yes. let you go. I yeah,
1: can understand it because you don't want to be the guy that's. Hang, making people hang around. You don't want to make them hang around all
0: day. Um, both of you, I'd love to know your favorite parts of the pod. I think the that Eddie McGuire story. Oh, how
1: unbelievable! That. Yeah, and like the way he told it, just crazy. Yeah, yeah, I think the Eddie McGuire story was up there.
0: Yeah, the Eddie story was up there. I loved, um, I loved him talking about uh, his early career when he was saying about you know he could have had a bit more fun. And talking about how serious he was and how serious he took things. And you can actually really tell now that it's it's sort of like there's a weight off his shoulders. He's not – he's just in the media now and he can have a bit more fun. Mm. By the end of it, I was like, fuck. Because the, the impression I had of him, as we said, in it, it, was like this stoic, strong, center forward, fucking leader, captain, fearless, into then – how funny he was today. I was like, that was actually really good.
1: Yeah, it sounds like he came, he, when he came into footy, he was around a lot of, like, serious people. Mm. Like, and the culture was, like, hectic. Like, he was talking about people going to, like, do recovery in the middle of the night yeah. in winter. Mm. So maybe he just carried that on and things changed a bit and he didn't really yeah. change the, with it. The part about him having beers with Jade Gresham's dad is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it <is my laughs> <That I> was <laughs> so good. He's
0: like, Jade Gresham's just come in, he's 18, I'm 32, and his dad's 36, and they're just just more in common with his old man than he does with, like, the young first-year so players. So good. So good.
1: That um Robert Harvey story as mm-hmm. well of him snapping his of plantif- fascia. of fascia.
0: I felt a bit sick. No, so did listening I. Listening to that. I was like, I don't think you know this, but I get quite car sick. But, um, <laughs> please. Yeah, that was a – to go into that as well, that story. So – Plantar fasciitis, for those who don't know, is like that. If you imagine that under your foot, that really tight band that goes under your foot, it's like the arch Mm -hmm. of your foot. So when you get plantar fasciitis, that just really tightens up and you can hardly run. And again, he already said this in the show, but for that to recover, it's like when you, um, so if he tears that, it's a longer recovery than if you completely tear it and then it comes back. Gotcha. So yeah, it's like, it's harder to um, have that and you have the pain versus you snap it and then it's, yeah. it's quicker and it, it releases the much. pressure yeah. is
1: that the one where like it's half injured and then you jump off like a stool or something yeah and then you completely snap it did you not listen to the story that's the exact story that he told I write notes as well (laughs) (laughs) that was the exact story he told
0: that's Um, not good anyway that was uh, very good love what he had to say about um, young players like with Max King at the moment he goes he was just so he was so adamant on he goes if you want to win it you take control of your career not saying that Max King isn't doing that he definitely is because he was trying to seek these things out but that's a message to any young player like Sometimes you just gotta, the program is a bare minimum. You gotta go out and do, and that's not just footy, that's everything.
1: Yeah, they're looking at 44 players. 100%. You gotta look after yourself a little bit.
0: Mm. I loved how open he was about the um, cricket as well. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, that was a pissart. He was filthy. He was filthy. That was so good. He's always like a gun cricketer and never gets referred to as a gun cricketer. So if you're listening to this from now on, Comment on anything Nick Rower. Wasn't that the guy that was just like a gun cricketer? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cricketer first. Cricketer first, football. No, cricketer, master chef and footballer.
1: I loved his... He was really honest about whenever he was like fuming about something or like something made him really angry. Yeah. You don't hear people... Because it's such like a vulnerable, embarrassing position to be like super angry about something. 100%. He just kept saying that. I liked how you managed to weave in golf and nature chat. And trees. Yeah. Yeah. Well...
0: Before the pod, um, our coffee machine's not working at the moment. So I said, do you want to get a quick coffee? Walk downstairs, got a coffee. And within the first minute of us chatting, somehow we were already getting on to living near the ocean and trees. I don't know how that happened so quickly. but oh, He was saying because he lives down Bayside and he needs to live in the ocean. I was like, it's funny you say that. I used to live in Sydney, same thing. But now I don't live near the ocean, but I've adapted the trees. So that was like within the first... Um, minute of meeting each other and then also the mutual love of Tasmania, Mm. which do you think when he says I can go stay at his house, because he said it on the pod and then he said it again after it,
1: that's a genuine offer.
0: I reckon that's a genuine offer. Yeah, if how, many, I how many rooms? <laughs> do, do you think if I messaged him and said, hey, I'm heading to Tassie?
1: No, because there'd be pride. He'd be very proud of his place down yeah. there. He'd be proud of Tassie and he oh, wants you to go down and enjoy yourself. And mate. he mentioned it off the pod. So he mentioned he it was off doing the, doing it, as for well. the pod I know, but I still wouldn't hit him up for it. He didn't no, even no to me. and you know, I'm going to take him <laughs> up.
0: Hey, um, Rui, <laughs> yeah, Sam, the one that was sitting there that wasn't listening to any of the stories that you were telling, he's really keen to head one to Tassie. I heard one part. He's really keen to head to Tassie. Nah, what a, what a ripping
1: bloke. Awesome.
0: Awesome guy. I loved it. Yeah. Um, what was
1: your, what, what, like, how were your expectations versus reality? Because um, you didn't know him too. No,
0: well. I didn't know him too today. I, to be honest, I'm not surprised at all, but I'm just, I loved his, I think one thing I loved the most about it was his honesty. Yes. Um, Honesty around situations where he said, you know, it was really hard for me to communicate because this is how I said it done and it, now it's a little bit different. And then the other honesty about how he said, um, you know, when Jack won the premiership, that really hurt me. Like, that really hurt him. Um, but, you know, he was so happy for Jack, but it still hurt him. And I was like, I think for me in that position, there's still scenarios in my head where things happen and I go, I am really happy with my friend, but I don't want to admit that I'm hurt by that, um, which is pretty – it's cool to be able to, you know, say that.
1: Yeah. The, the, the Jack seeing him like three weeks after or two weeks after and being real sheepish about mm. winning the premiership, that's a competitive family, is yeah.
0: I think sheepish – I think just to be clear on sheep is what we both meant. He meant he probably wasn't, he wasn't rubbing it in or anything. Yeah. He was like more like going, how's maybe Nick going to react? I don't think that he meant Jack was rubbing it into him. No, no, I'm yeah. saying like, no, was think, I'm yeah. saying like
1: the lead up to that, bec- like the reason he was sheep is because they were so competitive. Yeah. Like, what a competitive. But then after that- he
0: would have been, you know, and he said Jack was mm. like, he was felt, not sorry, but he was, it was a. He wasn't going to rub it in. No, he wasn't going to rub it in not not at all. that stage. Um,
1: But the story about, like, the Christmas where they're handing out round cards, like, going, like, are you going to achieve your goals? Are you going to achieve your goals? He's so competitive. It's wild. It's giving me anxiety. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
0: it's making me anxious. Um, Loved his openness and honesty on the grand final stuff, which is huge. To be honest, I think the most realest part of that whole chat, um, without a doubt, would have been when he's talking about, his sister, and how... It's so easy for him because he does talk about it from that business point of view as, as you'd have to get up and you recite these things about like talking about a family member's member, which to be honest is probably one of those fuck things ever, like how hard that would be to, to do that. But obviously he's got to a stage where he has to tell that story and be the mm. face of the business. But then again, for him to say like, he, I don't want to, how do I put this in? Not in, I'm not trying to steal his words, but what I got out of it was like how hard that is because it actually as good as it is for what it's doing, it's actually so hard for him because he feels like it's normalising it and he doesn't want to normalise it. Like he wants to live in there, the memories and stuff like that, which was beautiful. It's almost like he's
1: detached from it to a
0: degree. so there's two parts of it. One – where it's his sister and he gets these little nuances that bring it back and that's where it's human But then there's a part where he has to detach and go into yeah. business mode
1: Yeah, he probably and he wouldn't have anticipated that when they started it He wouldn't no. have thought, oh, I'm gonna have to talk about these things over and over again Yeah I don't think it's something you'd anticipate No But yeah, great, that was That was that, really
0: was, that was awesome, very heavy part. And um, we'll, we'll support out where we can there But yeah, very impressed Um i just love the fact that he's selling his cooking as well. Whoa. Oh. So funny. It's getting me inspired. Yeah, me too.
1: I just want cake. I really want cake right now. I feel like he's back here.
0: Anyway, love the chat. What a good guy. Great um, pod. Um, and this go, is something new. This is something new. Yeah. Oh, sorry. We're gonna do these reviews. Well if you want, we're gonna leave this after the um the uh, at the episodes. We might even release them um as little bonus bits, but if you enjoy it, let us know. If not, let us know as well. Um but yeah, we 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 love you.
1: Yeah, we just want to talk to you more.
0: We just want to talk to you more. The last two eps have gone on for a while, haven't they? But they've just been going. Oh, like
1: two strong eps. I yeah. think people want longer. You've yeah. come back from your little holiday. Vacation, yeah.
0: Just energised. Incredible guy. Incredible story. Appreciate it. Go um, go trees and beaches and tassies. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to another Producey Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, it would be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, subscribe, tap the bell, leave a review, or even share with one of your friends, or you could do them all. If you want to get in touch to share feedback, suggest a guest or advertise with one of our podcasts, then email hello at producer.com. Thanks for tuning in, IllyXX. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round, live and ad break free during play.